And following those dulcet tones, it's Feature Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. You know, if you like that theme song you just heard, or just uh, the sound of our wonderful voices, uh, I've got good news for you. Uh, you're going to be hearing them in a not V'ger please location in the very near future. So to our great surprise, we were asked to do essentially a guest spot on someone else's podcast. So we've we've mentioned them before. Uh, Hail and well met. They are an Australian based D&D real play podcast. And uh, it just so happens that uh, the guys that run that uh, Taryn and Mike, they're both big Voyager fans. So they found out about us and started listening and became fans. And they also do what I would call short story, independent short story podcasts. And they decided to do one that may or may not resemble Star Trek a little bit. <laughs> may or may not resemble the Orville, you know. Yeah, uh, you never know. Yeah, science fiction on a semi-militarized space vessel. Uh, but they graciously asked if we would like to voice characters and do the intro, and we said we would. So, just after this comes out, should just be a few days after. Uh, keep an eye out, and uh, you'll you'll hear us uh, attempting our very best voice acting job, first and probably last. <laughs> voice acting job we ever get i think i think i've had some voiceover work in the past but oh have you i'm an imdb dude i'm a big deal i don't know if you know what oh look at look at you with your hidden life no yeah i thought i, I, thought I had the book on on you peter I'm, no and i've been on the news me. several times so i'm well established is it was it for juggalo related crimes uh it was uh my fraternity house catching on fire and okay <laughs> So, yes. Excellent. No. Continue. Another time I had to work a Labor Day weekend and the news decided to run a segment on uh, some some break ins around the campus area. So they called my work and asked if I wanted to speak as a computer security expert about how to lock down your data. And I said yes. And there was another one that I can't think of off the top of my head, but I, I think I've been on the news three times. I, I don't know. Whatever. I'm listen. I'm a big deal. Well, that, I'm a, you know what? weird flex but okay i'm i'm a star and i was in like whatever z list horror movie i regret listen if you're ever on craigslist hold on we've all been on a z list horror movie at some point in our lives it got me an imdb it got me an imdb and i'll tell you if you ever have a chance to work on a horror movie that is being advertised as a unpaid position on craigslist think about that real hard before you say yes (laughs) <laughs> it's like this is there is nothing about this situation that's going to uh to improve your life uh i think it's nice though that the zero budget horror film industry continues to go strong to suck in well-meaning uh well-meaning losers such as ourselves. Mm-hmm. and speaking of being a bunch of weird guys dressed in strange clothing uh perhaps trying to affect accents they don't fully understand what did we watch this week peter season four episode 19 the killing game part two the premise here is just a strict continuation of what we got done looking at last week which is the herogen taking their larp fantasies a step too far and nothing about this episode i would say is surprising or shocking or 
expands upon like the the premise that we we developed before. I think a lot of the the interesting world building stuff is kind of over, and now they're just trying to deliver forty five minutes of action, which I think they had like thirty minutes of material, and they uh, didn't quite know how to end what they had put together here, but. Overall, it was still, I think, a fun adventure. I know you're just not into the World War II stuff like I am, so I like it because I think this is just fun as hell. If you're someone who's not inclined to find that uh, entertaining, it's probably was a little like B minus E. I would go lower than that, maybe. The shocking thing to me about all of this is that they chose to do a two-part episode for what felt like one episode at the most worth of material. We jump back to the last time we did a two-parter, and I believe it was Year of Hell, which was fucking epic with a lot of cool stuff to cover. I think Year of Hell could have maybe even been a three-story arc. Could have been a whole season. Could have been like a meta plot that went, you know, throughout the season, and Nanorax could have been a a recurring villain. There was a lot on the, the bone there. They did a lot in those two parts, it didn't feel like there was too much missing from it, but I think the opposite was the case here in that they didn't have any more like story to tell you. You Everything you had to know about these guys, you you got to know in the first half and the second half was just, let's just uh, have Nazis, uh, you know, shooting at the crew members while we film this at, you know, a cool universal backlot that is way better than any sets we ever see on the show. So I'm talking to Nate and he said, I can't believe that, you know, because the episode we did for Killing Game just came out yesterday. And he said, I can't believe that you went through an entire holodeck episode and you didn't mention Westworld once. And I thought about it and it's like, I, I love Westworld and obviously it's AI theme park killing for the sport of killing and all that. I mean, it seems like it's a good um, parallel. But the key missing component between the two, I think, is AI achieving sentience and wanting to overthrow the the reins put on it by its human masters and survive. And how much better would this have episode been had? You know, Voyager, it's always one problem at a time. You don't have compounding situations like what a prime time for the holodeck to go crazy and try to go sentient and kill people or, or rise up and all the other stuff that Voyager crew normally has to deal with. You've had the holodeck greatly expanded past its intended physical boundaries. You've had overwhelming percentages of ship systems dumped into trying to keep this thing running. Safeties have been turned off. What a perfect time for unshackled AI to run amok. I have, you're right. They didn't go there. Instead, they did kind of a more boilerplate, fun, pulpy action thing, which has its entertainment value. It was fun to watch, you know, like the Herogen guy in an SS uniform with a car 98K trying to hunt Janeway and shit like that. Like the, there's some fun visuals that go with that, some fun sequences that go with that. You are absolutely correct in what you were laying out was a missed opportunity, but – you know, I have the perspective of having watched the whole show. This ends with an interesting uh, difference in how a lot of Voyager's interactions with alien races go and what they leave with. And, you know, 
what happens with the Hirogen and what you're saying right now. What would it shock you to hear that that actually pays off? That the very thing that you just said, they they that pays off later. That would be cool. That would be refreshingly different. I don't want to say anything else because it's a really fucking awesome episode. And uh, it doesn't happen for a while. Let not your heart be troubled, Peter. This is one time they actually come back and say, what if in a way that I think is some excellent trick. I'd like to think that the for those of you who played the Star Trek Decipher CCG. Uh, in game terms, they called them dilemmas. And that was the yes. plot of each episode. You know, the problem that the crew has to overtake that those were dilemma cards. I like to think that the dilemmas are. They've gone to the same school as your average ninja, whereas only one dilemma can attack the hero at a time. Uh, and the rest just stand there waiting for their t- watching the other dilemma get its ass kicked. And they're like, all right, now it's my turn to go up and try and solo these guys and get my ass kicked, too. But just what if like two or three dilemmas got laid on at the same time? It, it, this is a hard episode for me to talk about. I, I did not have a lot of notes on this episode. Like I said, I didn't really care for the World War II backdrop. And for the most part, that gets left behind as the fighting spills out into the ship. So the cool framework for this episode these these two episodes is that they have drastically expanded the holodecks they've knocked down walls and torn out floors to make the holodecks as big as possible to the point where they're now putting holodeck or uh yeah hollow emitters out in the hallways this was something that was attempted by the voyager crew earlier to give uh the doctor more access to the ship for emergency triage but they gave up for no good reason and under Hirogen. no reason that they that it wasn't no good reason it there was just no reason they had an episode where they were teasing they were going to do it and then they're like nah and then they got around it by eventually uh using time travel shenanigans to give do- the doctor future tech they started getting close to perfecting the technology and then they came down with a bad case of uh the talaxian moons and just decided to give up after 15 minutes of kind of trying with two pieces working <laughs> but they've under the the careful eye of the Herogen taskmasters harry kim and his engineering science team has successfully implemented hollow emitters out in the hallways and majority of the ship is now holodeck character friendly so when we ended in the last episode uh, with the safeties off on the holodeck the allies had bombed the german command building and the explosions were real explosions and just ripped a big hole in the wall, which has exposed several different floors in one of the coolest Star Trek visual effects we've ever seen. Yeah, you actually see the layers of the ship and the decks on top of each other in, in, an, in an internal shot. And yeah, it's very different than what we usually see. It gives you a scope of like the size of this holodeck that they're on. And uh, it's a big fucking holodeck. Know, I, it's it's a big fucking you know these holodecks are big time. This is some big time stuff and it's neat and uh, the I guess the key piece of information in terms of the characters themselves is that at this point Seven of Nine and Janeway are the only ones who are not kind of plugged into the simulation through this Herogen neural transceiver. Everybody else, all of the characters, still think that they're 
whatever character they're supposed to be within the simulation and are acting out that uh, impulse. Uh, they, they do a nice job of showing that their personalities still have a level of influence on how they portray those characters. Uh, you know, uh, Tom Paris and Bellana are still attracted to each other and, you know, have this tension with each other that reflects their their personalities outside of the simulation. Uh, but the only ones truly unshackled are Janeway and Seven of Nine. And they don't actually have a memory of what they're supposed to be. So they're sort of awkwardly trying to stay fitting in to the simulation to continue to get everyone to work with them while they try and figure out what to do next. Oh, also of note is that this is a episode that these are episodes that uh, Harry Kimmer is barely in yet is a total badass in because he tells these giant, you know, space Nazi hunters to go fuck themselves because he's tired of being pushed around by him and is the one that's semi orchestrated this uh, this jailbreak. I would say more than semi orchestrated. You know, normally it's the but the doctor helped. I mean, the doctor, like, the doctor helped, was a big part of it. I would say that he's the he's the quarterback on this one. So big props to Harry Kim. Um, so we ended the last episode, like I said, with uh, with a big hole being blown on the wall and the promise that holodeck characters were going to flood the hallways of Voyager and that the Herogen were finally going to get the war that they've been after as uh, as the game was to spill out into the real world. And that's kind of what we get. Um, again, it's a hard episode to talk about because there's a lot of still like the World War II fantasy going on with the 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 crew being forced to interact with these holodeck characters, both on the holodeck and in the hallways. Uh, but as far as actual skeleton of of a uh, plot on this one, it's it's thin. There's fighting, and then there's reconciliation and that's really the two big parts to the episode um there is a side plot that's going on where we see neelix who uh last we saw had been gunned down in the streets of france by the second in command herogen who is not interested in the head herogen his name is car right that is correct he wasn't really interested in cars i have a dream speech and he just wants to kill for the sake of killing. Uh, and Neelix pissed him off. So he had gunned down Neelix in Seven of Nine. Seven gets put back into the World War II simulation, but Neelix gets moved over to the Klingon cave. And we get a pretty cool effect. And that is, what would a Talaxian look like if a Talaxian was dressed like a Klingon? And it's it's not that bad. I, I, it almost is an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> like... I uh, first of all, uh, double A plus props to Ethan Phillips, who uh, went all in on Klingon enthusiasm in his performance Uh, when he is when Neelix thinks that he's the Klingon. He's, you know, very Klingon. He's a pretty cool uh, guy, man. Like I'd invite that. Yeah, party. Absolutely. I'd have that guy cook for me only if it was like some sort of red meat dish and it was over like some sort of, you know, grill or something. You know, but uh, they were eating like like turkey legs or something it was there. Lamb. Wasn't any gawk? Oh, it was lamb? Yeah, it was lamb. Even, damn, that's 
That's a little swanky. That's nice. Yeah, he said, I like lamb, so that was a good scene for me. Uh, <laughs> what if, Joe... I freaking bet. What if, since we were taking the Talaxian Neelix and merging him with another species, what if, just for laughs, they got the guy who played Tuvix to portray Neelix as a half Klingon? Ooh. Mm. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, that would that would require once again for them to uh, acknowledge this strange, you know, pustulous wart on their on their show's butthole, uh, which they don't seem they intend to do. Um, the 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 tactic that they take that the Janeway and Seven of Nine take is they buy into the still hollow influenced uh, crew's interpretation of what's happened. That it's a secret Nazi science uh, bunker. Like this is some Wolfenstein shit in there, you know, and there's like robots and laser guns and, you know, super Nazi tech in there and they gotta, they gotta go deal with it. And uh, that, you know, Janeway and Chakotay are going to, infiltrate to find their quote-unquote inside man in the uh the nazi bunker while the rest of the resistance and all of the uh holographic uh american gis like fend off the holographic nazis in and the uh Herogen. and uh this is gonna work because car doesn't want to like damage the uh holodeck too much because he needs to be able to use the technology for his dream. So he's not letting the Herogen just like blow it up or otherwise damage it beyond repair nor kill anyone because he needs the Voyager crew alive to fix it. And so they begin this, uh, this sort of infiltration mission back into the ship where Chakotay still thinks that he is an American GI captain also is still hitting on Janeway always forever thirsty, which, which is like his thirst is so intense that it pierces mind control. (laughs) It's, it's amazing. Well, you know, you say that like it's difficult, but if there's one thing we've learned about Chakotay or shall we say co-opte, it's that it's not difficult for things to influence control over him. So I, I don't think it's that surprising that the uh, base drive of wanting to, I don't know uh, how to describe their relationship, wanting to hump your boss who three years ago had been sent (laughs) out to hunt you down and put you in the clink. You know, it's, you know, that's, that's, that's obviously Chakotay's fetish. Like he wants, he's, he's, he's just into ladies that want to, want to throw him in prison, put the cuffs on him. You know, it's put just, the old Borg implants on him. I, whew, man, you have no idea how correct that is. Anyway, we go through kind of an explanation of all the action beats, but it's really just a paint by numbers. They're going to disrupt, you know, the Herogen. They're eventually going to have a dramatic confrontation with them. And, you know, win the day i did uh, like tom and uh chakotay wandering the halls where they encounter harry kim who they believe to be an american inside this nazi bunker and there's a interesting and racist exchange that 
uh, I, I don't know, was one of the more interesting parts to the episode. Because like you said, it's just a, you know what's going to happen, you know what needs to happen, and they throw some action at you, and it's TV people doing action, so it's not particularly impressive, and it's just, I know, it's easy to check out for me. I I thought that that scene was... Uh was fun in that uh, Tom hollow Tom's uh, test for Harry is to see if he could be correctly sexist <laughs> about, <laughs> about an actress, like which of their body parts of this actress is the most appealing. Please answer before I execute you. Excellent. Perfect. Dude, Loved I remember it. there was a, there was leisure suit, Larry. Oh, great game. Great game series. I love watching Let's Plays of people playing that game. And there was this thing to make sure that you were at least 16 or whatever years old. And it was like it was a it was a challenge question, something along the lines of that. Like every time you go in, it hits you with something that, you know, only an older kid would know. And one of them was, uh, you know, if what was her name? Bo Derek. Bo Derek. If Bo Derek was in your room, which of these four things would you do? And it's like, you know, math problems, talk about movies, try to kiss her and I don't know, discuss apple pie recipes or something. But that reminded me of that, that old age verification trick that uh, the Leisure Suit Larry Games used to do. Hey, she was a 10. Literally, that was the movie she was in. Yeah. Yeah. The... The I guess like the 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 best part of the episode in terms of cr- creativity uh, is when the Nazi hol- the hologram Nazi the kind of like the 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 I don't think he ever got a name he doesn't he's the captain he's- and what's funny is that guy has played a Nazi two times in Star Trek history. Yes. Two separate shows like talk about getting yes. typecast, man. The his he shows up in the Enterprise episodes when they go back in time to deal with an alternate history that was created because aliens helped the Nazis. It's and he's he plays almost the exact same kind of character, too. It is this you know, I guess when you look like this guy, the way he looks like a poster child for the Third Reich, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, perfect Germanic chin, you're gonna get cast as a Nazi a lot. Like someone, someone's going to see that and be like, yep, that's our guy. He's going to, he's going to be, he's our Nazi guy. That's, that's what they look like. But he, uh, he does a speech. I I mentioned this last week when we recorded that there's this moment where they really uh, hit you over the head with the comparison between that ideology and what some of these Herogen, where they're at with their philosophy of uh, a really typical, uh, Nazi master race rant, but the way it's dropped into the episode and the way it's worded and delivered is obviously meant to appeal to the Herogen lieutenant that he is speaking to in a way that you can believe that this Herogen who does not give a fuck about any of this stuff, he totally wishes his power game his way through the stupid simulation, could hear this pitch and be like, Yeah, you know what, you right. You right. I'm a Herogen. I'm. I don't care about any of this. These these lesser beings. I'm gonna go uh, hunt them down like dogs. That's that's great. Thank you so much for that life uh, advice, man. In an SS uniform, clearly you are a winner. You're a great life coach, Holodeck character. Great life coach. You make great decisions. So uh, that that was well done. The way it was dropped in and and how it was used in the plot, I thought was like 
That's cool. My favorite part of the episode was the, you know, Janeway gets loose and she's running through the ship and someone shoots her in the leg with a 45 and she's hobbling along. Finally, she ends up back in her ready room and she confronts Carr. Carr is the uh, Alpha Herogen. And I had already kind of started taking a liking to Carr last episode because I thought they were moving in a, a good direction where he was seeing the big picture. He saw that the Herogen's lifestyle was not sustainable and that on a long enough timeline, their pursuit of prey was going to scatter what's left of them to the four corners of the galaxy. Um so Janeway confronts him and says, you know, the jig is up. And he's like, well, I don't think so. I'm going to torch you. And she's like, I'll blow the ship up and blah, blah, blah. Regular Janeway crap. And then Janeway's like, look, why are you doing this? And keep in mind that the Herogen don't consider the other species to be sentient for all intents and purposes, right? Like talking to them is beneath them. And it's almost like the dinosaur people, right? They, yeah, they, you're just animals. You're you're the little people. They step on to do the things they want, and, and they're the real people. You're just fake. So he cuts her a break, and he says, "Well, you know, I, I, I'm 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 doing this. I need your crew because we're exploring this fantastic technology that you have that we don't have, and I think it's going to be the key to my people finding salvation, and that by." discovering the joys of masturbation we don't have to you know be a slave to our sexual addiction only it's it's murder you know they're <laughs> they're except it's murder they're addicted to murder and they just need you know they need a way to just dry hump murder instead of always murder murder um and that that that's his plan is if you can go get your rocks off killing people in the holodeck then you don't have to go out all over the place chasing down prey and you can stick around and, and set up roots and and have a culture start to thrive again. And Janeway's like, well, you know, I can help you. I can give you the technology that you want. And instead of torturing us to to get to these ends, I could just we can make it happen together. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, okay, this is exactly the way that this should play off. This is classic Janeway. You could sit there and say, well, it's Federation technology, but I think we're already established that Herogen are well beyond Federation technology, uh, with this one exception. Uh, and it makes perfect sense. And this and it adds a dimension to Carr because you see that he's not doing this to be malicious. And that I think there's still to some degree a a humane angle he has that he doesn't necessarily want to just wholesale slaughter the crew for the sake of slaughter. And I think that's why he's yeah, been protecting he them. He's got a greater moral grasp of what his people are doing. I don't think it goes as far as to say that he has remorse or regret in a sense that a human might feel it. But he also knows like this can't continue. We're not helping ourselves. It's more it's definitely more selfish in the sense that he's thinking about the future of his people. Uh, so it's, it's good that he doesn't in a good guy, right? Cause he's still doing monstrous things and how he's treating the crew and, and basically treating them like slaves. He's not killing them. It's an improvement we can say for certain, uh, but it's not good. 
And ultimately, it strikes the right balance in believability of like, yeah, I can see where this guy would start to make compromises because he's seeing in this technology that he knows he'll never be able to develop, but he can he can essentially emulate uh, a, a new path forward for his race. And so he's willing to compromise to accomplish that, um, you know, that that end goal. And it. It was very satisfying to me because I forgot this happened to watch him just kind of get murdered. There isn't a happy ending for him. There's not a happy ending where the Herojin walk away enlightened. It's just kind of shitty. And I like that. Yeah. So him and Janeway come to a very reasonable conclusion that she's going to give him the technology and He's going to get the Herojin the fuck out of there and leave Voyager alone and that they both are going to get what they want and that all of this is going to end. And I'm like, this is this is great. This is good to see in Star Trek. I'm glad to see diplomacy's working and I'm glad to see that we're not dealing with a stupid two dimensional character like the fucking species, you know, eight, four, two, seven, like or eight, four, seven, two, like th- this is a person. This is a guy with his own set of goals and, and intricacies. So he radios out to the Herogen and he says, all right, uh, everybody stand down. We're going to quit fighting in the hallways and, you know, scale back all the Nazis under our control and, and let's give these guys uh, a truce. And Janeway says the same thing. I want to say at this point, there has been a explosion in the med bay. And if you remember, sick bay was where the master control program for the um, the implants that was making everybody live in the fantasy world was located. The Herogen doctor was a real dickhead. Man, it just dawned on me. That sick bay was full of Voyager crew members who were fucked up. Oh, yeah. Well, we it was it was it did look like it might actually be empty by the time Janeway shows up. Very conveniently for her, since she doesn't accidentally essentially blow up her own people. Dude, that sick bay it probably was, should have been full, though. It, it should have been full of fucking Voyager crew. Like, humans were all over that place. The doctor's like, uh, all right, EMH, go treat this uh, Herogen who's got some burns on his face. And the EMH is like, but no, this dude's like super fucked up and all his lungs are broken and his head's cracked open and the uh, Herogen doctor is like, well, you know, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm just going to turn you off and and nobody's going to help humans anymore. We're only going to treat Herogen like Carr does not have very good subordinates or at least Carr has strayed so far off of their normal thinking patterns that everybody's just kind of like, whatever, fuck Carr, not my president. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Janeway gets in there and uh she just sets a bomb off and completely blows sick bay the fuck apart. And in the process, it knocks out the implant computer. So everybody on the ship who was in the fantasy state has now woken up. Uh, so then Janeway's like, Hey, Chakotay, uh, tell all the allied people who still believe they're under your command to, to fall back. And for a couple minutes, like everything's copacetic and the Herogen are withdrawing and, Voyager crew is regrouping and everything is cool. But then, like you said, uh, the second command, what's his name? Like Terjaman or something? Terjaman? Right. Whatever other guy. He's kind of stank about it, but he's still following orders. And then this fucking holodeck Nazi's like, 
hey, you know, I always respected you, but uh, the commandant's kind of crazy lately and not believing that we are the superior master race. And here's my little soapbox speech about, um, uh, you know, genocide and uh, <laughs> and all our wacky Nazi ideals. And the Herojin dude's like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. You know what? Uh, time for a mutiny. <laughs> I don't. If only Voyager crew had half the gumption of this guy, they would have mutinied under Janeway like six crises ago that she created. But he's like, they, you know, if only they could have had a Nazi nearby to inspire them. That is clearly been the missing link the entire time. They've got better than a Nazi. They had uh, real talk Chakotay back in um, worst case scenario, perfectly laying out how she needlessly endangers them. Like, the pieces are there for mutiny. It's just the weakness of the crew. I, I will say that is real talk. Chakotay saying what real talk Tuvok wrote into the to the program. So secretly, we know Tuvok knows all of that too. Oh, absolutely. And he said as much himself under uh, under the you know once he was freed of the yoke of logic. Um, but he's like, yeah, fuck that. Uh, everybody attack the humans after all. Shoot to kill, and um, I'm the captain now. So things blow back up. The fighting gets thrown back in. And like you said, eventually he rolls up on car with this, uh, I don't know, some M1 Grand or something. And uh, he just guns his boss down right in front of Janeway. And Janeway's like, oh, shit. And I'm kind of laughing. It's like, how, did did this guy ever in a million years think that he was going to die to a holographic gun from World War Two? I, I will point out they were very, very good about the use of their weapon props. That was a car 98 K that uh, the Herogen was using because that was a, a Nazi weapon. And then when we see later on the uh, Americans and French resistance fighting, they're fighting with American weapons. So it's a clearly a 1911 45 in seven's hand. Uh, which she, which the actress Jerry Ryan uh, wields with a proficiency that all of the other actors do not match. She's much more comfortable with weapons. It, I, I believe one of our faithful viewers pointed out, might have been Noel, I forget exactly if it was not, then I apologize to whomever else it was, uh, that apparently she grew up in an army household and therefore seemed to know how to handle weaponry correctly in a screen appropriate fashion correctly. And then uh, I remember Tom has a Garand in that scene because it has the uh, stripper clip ping when he shoots all the blanks out. So I don't think these were actual props that they had. I think these were all probably from Universal because they shot this at Universal Studios because they have a back lot that looks like a, a, European village. a perfect French town. Yeah. So uh, they... They did a good job with all of those details because, again, I'm super into this World War II shit. So I'm like always looking at these things like, oh, yeah, OK, that's correct. No, that's bullshit. But, yeah, when uh, the subordinate guns car down, I'm like, no, I like <laughs> I like that, dude, man. That was a that was a good heroic and that was a good Star Trek villain. Like, I would have liked to see this guy again. And they they kill him and they plunge everything back into chaos. Janeway's kind of standing there like, oh, God. And he's like, yeah, uh, I'm a hunter and you're my prey. So you need to go run while I stalk you through the hallways and use my my weird sixth sense spirits touch to figure out when you're crawling around in Jeffrey's tubes. 
and she ends up getting uh she ends up getting him to follow her down a hallway and there's a neat scene where you see a dead uh, American trooper laying there and like his legs have been blown off but they haven't really you see that the destruction in the hallway knocked out the hollow emitters and that she's established like the edge of holographic availability um and I I thought this was going to be fancier than it was like I was really hoping when he ambushed her that she was going to be standing just outside of this this holographic projector barrier and that he was going to like shoot at her and the bullets were just going to disappear as soon as they pass through that but instead they go a much more uh fan servicey angle and they just have the bad guy get fucking clobbered with a federation issue space pipe yes I mean, Janeway clearly accessed her field manual and realized that the most deadly weapon in the Federation arsenal was still available to her and uh, gets the guy to step into basically a holographic dead zone where his rifle won't work so that she could come down on him with, uh, you know, the lawn suitor special. Uh, The spirit of lawn is there for them when they are attacking aliens who have who have taken over the ship, mm-hmm. you know, his, his vengeful spirit sees the pipe strike true. Uh, and, uh, this allows Janeway to get the upper hand and eventually just blows the guy away in a very comic, you know, shot off the balcony sh- scene later. Only that shot off the um, balcony is. Yeah. So, so she clobbers the fuck out of him. And like you said, it's, it's, she's able, Janeway is sometimes very stupid, but Janeway is also very smart. And she, like you said, she follows the things like has uh, alien uh, attackers taking over the ship. Yes. Well, in that case, hit them with a pipe until they stop moving. Um, she gets the upper hand. She's got this subordinate guy cornered uh, between her with the gun. And then behind him is the big fucking hole that got blown in the holodeck by the explosion. And they're like three stories up. And of course, he decides that he's going to try and lunge at her and and she she shoots him and off he goes off the top rope and dies. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff. Oh, the other big takeaway from the action sequence there is. Seven of nine reprogramming. The allied weapons with Borg pixie dust, which I'm kind of rolling my eyes like. What stupidness is this going to be? You know, they, they spend a pretty fair amount of time winding this plot up and instead what happens is she programs a grenade to be able to destroy holograms and then she drops it and she blows up all of their allied support and all of their own guns and totally hoses them and i thought that was great it was definitely a subversion of expectations where you're like oh it's going to be a dramatic moment where seven of nine pays off all of this work she's doing on this you know borg hollow grenade and then oh no moops it just fucks them over instead because she gets shot, drops the grenade on all of their holographic weapons and people. And then, you know, they're about to get got by all the Nazis and they're going to be executed by all the Nazis. And then the Klingon show up. That's that's when the B plot breaks out. And that is, uh, you know, after all of the uh, the the brain transceivers have been disabled, which happens midway through the episode. uh Neelix and the doctor lead a bunch of Klingon warriors from the other simulation into 
the World War II simulation. So you can have a bunch of Batleth wielding Klingon extras fight all of the SS uniformed Nazi extras for for what reason? Because it's Cause cool. Because we want to. Because we want to see the Nazi guy who gave the speech earlier get bisected by a batleth while they yell kapla. That's what we want. And we get it. We get to have that. And it's neat. Yeah. There are a lot of episodes of this show that are just not nearly as fun because it doesn't indulge itself this way. I am okay with this indulging because it's fun. I'm here for it. Second command guy gets blown off a ledge. I forget how exactly the crew finally gets the upper hand over uh, the Herogen, but it ends up at another negotiation table and you have the third in command of the Herogen talking to Janeway and they have had a big turn of heart. They've decided they're not going to just kill all the humans after all. They're going to leave and Janeway meets him with a peace offering and she's got a, a tech doodad, which has, has a pretty cool chunk of history attached to it for uh, next gen but she's got this little tech deck and the guy's like well what's that and she's like this is the hollow emitter that your old 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 boss wanted and this is what's going to let you guys establish this and he says uh well i didn't really agree with what he wanted uh it was unorthodox and i don't share his views and she says well you're doing some unorthodox stuff too by even negotiating with prey in the first part so maybe you want to think this over take it it can't hurt you and maybe just maybe it'll help your species grow and something good will happen and the guy kind of like begrudgingly accepts it and uh off it goes did you recognize what that thing she gave him was though uh was an optical data core is what they said it was what was it actually that was the same prop that they used when they sealed moriarty off and oh uh, yeah you know yeah yeah. wow it does look exactly like that but that's the thing you go digging around in your back. Like, what do we got? What do we got in the prop room? Eh, Something computery. This looks nice. Let's do this, this. This is meta tagged with holodeck and holograms. Oh, okay, cool. God, what if she just gave him Moriarty? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we started you off with a nice little package here. Just, <laughs> so let's go That's ahead and throw that one on. See Moriarty. How this goes for you. We got Suska, Moriarty, and uh, the crazy hologram doctor who was cutting everybody in half. And, uh, who else is a terrible holographic character that ran amok? Oh, oh the, the two uh, of the dancers that strangle people. You can have them, too. Oh, what about the uh, the guy from the alien vessel who was trying to kill Balana oh, by yeah. uh, ripping her heart out? Yeah. Yeah, I'll we'll throw him in there, too. Well, it's, we're only giving you the greatest hits. You guys are hunters. I mean, you know, when you, give you were you a playing challenge. on easy before. Here's here's hard. You guys want a real hunt. There you go. Yeah, it's it's not an easy episode to talk about, man. There's there's just not a lot of meat on the bone. What is there is pretty cool, like Carr and um, the fact they actually kill him, which was a surprise. Uh, but unfortunately, like you said, majority of this episode is a paint by numbers action sequence that continue to keep me checked out. Um, there is some really fun stuff in there, like the Klingons killing Nazis. Uh, Neelix as a Klingon was especially fun. Uh, but by and large, it's it did not deserve to be a two part episode in my book. And it certainly does not deserve to be held on the same platform as Year of Hell, which the writing staff seems uh, very certain it does. It's it was a fun 
episode to watch. But yeah, like like it felt like it had an hour worth of material and they have, you know, 44 minutes times two to fill. And so they kind of just stretched out the rest of it. And I, I don't want to criticize it too much because I had a lot of fun watching it. Like I, I love when they indulge themselves a little bit and have some fun. Obviously the holodeck makes for the most opportunities to do that. I liked the settings that they used. I like the, uh, we'll have the Klingons attack the Nazis at the end. I liked how they used the Herogen and the, the setting. And obviously the speech that was done was, was just perfectly dropped in. Um, so there's like enough going on where I'm like, Oh, that was neat. I enjoyed watching that. But as an episode of star Trek, it was thin, uh, especially in part two, there just wasn't enough left going on to like have meat on the bone. This was all sugar. And compared to what they did the last time they had a two parter, it clearly comes up a little short, but I will not hold it against it in a world where you have to watch the concerning flights Analogiums and you know the the frozen food aisle thirty sevens and stuff like this. This is a delight in comparison. I agree. I agree. the 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 crime here was not a theft of life. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, guys! You didn't steal away our very life force this time. You did it! Woohoo! You did it! We, you did it, buddy. Good job, Brand. Good job. Good All right, job. Man. Uh, anything else to say about this guy? Nothing to say about this guy. I do want to say something, though, since it's a Trek topic, and that it is it's sadly not been a good year for actors who worked on DS9. Sad to say. Uh, the time we're recording this, uh, the guy who played Odo, Rene Abageros, just died recently. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that show and uh, obviously I'm a huge fan of him as a consequence. He also showed up in a show that you're a big fan of, and that is uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. As you remember, he was uh, D's drama teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was awesome at everything he ever did. Um, and it's kind of striking. I went back and watched some like Odo episodes that were from DS9 that he was really heavily featured in. And uh, it's always it's always something to see, like, watch that show and how well written and, and acted it was. And then I have to go back to watching Voyager and you're like, fuck. <laughs> uh, but he's great. Like he he he's one of those actors that could act through the makeup really well because he had to wear this makeup that basically made his features washed out. Silly putty. Yeah. But he still made it work with his the way he uses body language and his tone of voice. That even though he wasn't emoting super heavily, uh, you still you still got it every time. So a loss, a loss to the uh, the tr- greater Trek world for sure. But uh, if for some reason you needed some kind of impetus to go watch DS9, I assure you, uh, Odo is one of, of the many good reasons to do so. And, uh, you know, hopefully he and, and Nagar, uh, you know, up there in, in the great the forest. Sp- the great forest, you know, the, the DS9 in the sky, you know, cleaning up the palm Ramarad from the uh, uh, the uh, the Klingons who are loitering. Coming up next, season four, episode 20, vis-a-vis. And we've got 
Tom and we've got uh, some sort of alien with uh, deer antlers. And they're looking at, I don't know, an ice cream scoop, I think. Bored with his daily routine, Tom Paris finds a refreshing friendship with a visiting alien wanting to share a new method of propulsion with Voyager. Uh, well, the way this reads in the Netflix capsule makes me think that Tom is going to have an affair uh, on Bolana. <laughs> Doesn't quite go that way, but not my kind of cup of tea, but I, we'll watch it because it's next. You know what? It's not It's not the oops, we did a rape episode, so we know where it's all uphill from here, buddy. Yeah, man, I'm. I'll have to go through and look at my notes for season four, but I have not been particularly impressed. There's have been a few standout moments, but I think there's a lot of boring shit in this season so far, and I'm afraid that this is going to be another one. I got a question: Are we going to see the Herogen again after this episode? I mean, obviously, you've intimated there's going to be at least one more follow up episode, but I take it from this point forward, we're done with the Herogen by and large. Uh, we're definitely finally going to get a rest, a nice, a nice rest from him. Obviously, it was dominated the last couple months of us doing the show because it was essentially five episodes in a row. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're they we will see them again for sure, uh, but we will not see them again for a while. I think overall they weren't a bad Star Trek villain. I would still put the Vidians as my top pick for new species introduced as a persistent characters. Um, I think I'd put them third. I go, I'd go Vidians, Skevians. Gosh, would I put Kazon above the Herogen? That's a hard call. Okay, let me let me let me do my ranking. And you know what, Cullo was a caddy for- bitch. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say for the sheer merit of Cullo alone. Uh, I'll I'll go with uh, number three spot to the Kazon, the Kmart Klingons. My number one villain is Catherine Janeway. We're going alien species. Come on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, obviously yeah. Catherine Janeway. Voyager alien species. You know what? This is mess hall topic. We we, we got to save that the magic for. Well, that. we haven't had one in a while, so you know I want to. I want to take a moment here. This is fine. You know, we're we're really under time on this. Let me explore. Let me explore this topic. Okay. Um, number one. Space evil dad brain Hitler. Uh, He's the, the most villainous. Yes. Uh, number two. Wait, are you saying? So you're ranking who is the most evilist, or you're saying who your favorite evil guy was? I'm going to say the most evil. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, second, second is the guy who was the psychic brain invader that Kess had to melt. Persistence of vision, right? Yeah, persistence of vision. So season season one, the the season one, I just do it for the lulls guy. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I would say Anorax, uh, time crazy, uh, you know, space Boddicker. So, uh, you know, he his he's the third most evil. Was he evil? 
I he was. I mean, he was wiping things out of existence using his time yeah, ship because he was doing it for love. He was, but he was also he he had gone crazy. He thought time had like a a vendetta against him, and he didn't. You know, he he co-opted co-opte, and he did he did terrible things. Mm. I'm gonna have to think uh, long. I, I I think the dem IQ from Persistence of Vision might have been the most. Uh, maleficent creature we've encountered so far followed by uh, brain parasite hell creature which we never really figured out if that was a brain parasite or actually just a legit demon running around um i mean at the time i remember we we posited like is everyone who's ever died in a delta quadrant in hell i believe so, <laughs> yes <it's>... yes <laughs> yes like you know especially crew and jonas he got dumped into a literal space hell. When Neelix kills you, go to a very special space hell. And you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad for Neelix's family, which is stuck in a perpetual half life, half death scenario, because that demon dude will never be able to get his hooks truly into them. So perhaps Jatral showed an ultimate act of kindness to all of them instead of damning them to a forever state of denial of the great forest. What a terrible fucking part of space, man. There's, <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing. They'll get back. Like, so what'd you find out about the Delta Quadrant? Like Janeway is like haggard. Let's grab the nearest admiral by the lapels and just don't go. <laughs> it's 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 Event Horizon. Literally, Tuvox has stock footage of Event Horizon. It's real out there. It's real. <laughs> it's Say in it his went. brain. It's in his brain. Yeah. He uses it when he goes into sweaty back alleys with other psychics. It's canon. <laughs> it's true. Um, All right. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on Vige, please, Able Voyages and Delta Quadrant. As much as we can to give you your hours worth. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is an indication you and I need to do a mess hall again soon. Fortunately, uh, it looks like Twitch is a good option for us for that. So as soon as schedules line up so that we can, you, you can bet on us two and one. And again, stay tuned. Both the theme song by Ian and Sarah, as well as our voices will be in the shorts, uh, la- the the latest shorts podcast. I don't want to give the title away because I, I haven't seen it. them put it out there yet, but should be coming out here soon. in uh, just a couple weeks from when we record this and probably just a few days after this gets released. And, uh, you know, we want to say thank you so much uh, to Taryn and Mike to offering the opportunity for us to do that with them. It was fun. And uh, we're hoping to reciprocate. We won't say how quite yet because we haven't figured out how, but we want to reciprocate with them. So, you know, stay tuned and see you guys next week with whatever the fuck romantic tragedy bullshit (laughs) that vis-a-vis ends up being. See ya.